Jeremiah chapter number one, beginning at verse four. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jeremiah chapter number one, beginning at verse four. Y'all feel like talking back to the preacher today? Huh? I want to do overflow feel like talking back to the preacher. I want everybody talking back to the preacher today. Jeremiah chapter one, verse number four says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I form you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I want to stop right there and tag a title to this text. I want to talk from this subject in our time together, family. God is trying to tell you something. <laughs> God is trying to tell you something. Family, it is my conviction, a core conviction of mine. I am convicted to my core on this matter that one of the greatest gifts we can receive after conversion is the gift of clarity. I'm going to say that one more time, that one of the greatest gifts we can ever receive outside of receiving Christ as the leader of our life and the forgiver of our sin is the gift of clarity. Somebody say clarity. This is what Stephanie Banks says. She says that clarity is the moment we begin to see without opening our eyes. Helen Keller is quoted as saying, the only thing worse than being blind, because she was, is having sight with no vision. Somebody say clarity. Clarity is the gift that keeps on giving. Because whenever you get clarity, we get more than clarity. We get what clarity brings with it. What's that, Dr. Darius? First of all, when you get clarity, you get speed. I'm going to say that one more time. I said when you get clarity, you get speed. Somebody say speed. See, watch this. Watch this now. You can tell. I'm, 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 I just want to see who honest today. When you're driving and you're behind somebody, you can tell by their speed whether or not they're clear on where they're going. Come on, some of you, they stopping and starting it. They turning the signal on and not turning. And I know some of you have the, fruit, the spiritual fruit of temperance and self-control. And you just cool, calm, and copacetic. And you just pray for them. You say, oh, God, they're so lost. Let me, Lord, let, Lord, just show them where they need to go. But for the rest of us that struggle with that fruit every now and then, some of us are talking to them and they can't even hear us. Where are you going? If you don't know where you're going, you need to pull over and figure it out. I got somewhere to go. And I know you don't do this. I, don't know, I know you don't do this. But when you get a chance to pass them, you don't just keep your eyes straight ahead. 
They're stopping and starting, don't know what turn to make, don't know what place to go. Watch this, because they're not clear. And the way some people are in their cars is the way some people are with their life. They're starting and stopping. They're thinking about turning and they're thinking about going here and there. And it's a dangerous thing not just to follow somebody like that in a car, but some people actually have to follow people like that in life. They didn't get it. Let the, chew on it for a minute. Come on, Martin, let it marinate. I'm going to say it one more time. It is one thing to have to follow somebody like that in a car, but it is a sad thing to have to follow somebody like that in life. Where are we going? What is our vision? What is happening? We're starting, stopping, but clarity gives you speed. When you know where you're going, you get further faster. Yeah, that's, that's a gift that keeps on giving. Clarity not only gives us speed, watch this. Clarity also helps us with our sanity. Yeah, because clarity releases us from unnecessary anxiety and frees us from the temptation to be obsessed with wondering and worrying if I'm in the right place, am I doing the right thing, am I doing it with the right people? Come on now, when your vision becomes clearer, your decisions become easier. I'm going to say it again now. When your vision becomes clearer, your decisions become easier. Watch this. If you don't know where you're going, you don't know who's not supposed to go with you. Only this side giving me love so far. I'm going to go. I said, when you don't know where you're going, sometimes you put the wrong person in the car with you. And you get halfway to your destination, then you get a revelation, this is not a fit for me. Because when your vision becomes clearer, your decisions become easier. When your values become clearer, your decisions become easier. Because your values give you a revelation of who you are, but also who you not. And when you know who you are and who you not, you know who fit in your life and who don't. You able to say, this not a bad person, but it's bad for me. Why I'm clear. I'm not judgmental, but I'm clear. I'm not impatient, but I'm clear. So let's not even waste time acting like we're going to go out again after this first date. Before the salad hit the table, I knew this ain't it. Let me go to this side and find somebody that's honest. Let, yeah, let, let, <laughs> yeah, let's not even act like you're going to be able to work here long because I can tell right now that this ain't it. I, I'm not impatient. I'm just clear. And is there anybody in a season of your life where you can honestly admit you've got enough experience, you've had enough heartache, you had enough heartbreak, you had enough mistakes to realize nothing positive comes from prolonging the inevitable. If it ain't gonna work, it ain't gonna work. And we just might as well accept it ain't gonna work right now. I got to have my peace. I got to have my sanity. I got to have my mind. I had to fight to get it back. The devil almost had it, and I had to fight to get it back, and I'm not letting it go without a fight. Uh, 
I'm not playing with my sanity. I'm not playing with my mind. Clarity helps me with speed. Clarity helps me with my sanity. Now I'm getting ready to lose some people here. I'm getting ready to lose those that aren't open-minded. This is the dangerous thing about a closed mind. A closed mind never walked through open doors. Yeah, because a closed mind is judging doors you're supposed to be walking through. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting ready to lose some people here, but, but, uh, but uh, I'm getting ready to lose people who love level two. But I'm getting ready to help some people who want level three. Three ways you can live your life, sinking, surviving, thriving. Ch- culture's way, church's way, king's way. Uh, 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 this is what people level three. It helps me with my speed, helps me with my sanity. Here it is. I'm about to lose them in the overflow. Here it is. It helps me with my success. See, I, I, got, a, I got a response from about one fourth of the people here. Because some people incorrectly assume that success is unspiritual, unscriptural, and idolatrous. But let me ask you something. What creator creates something that he wants to fail? Y'all not talking to me. If I'm reading my Bible correctly, I, I realize that God can use the same words that people in culture use and not mean the same thing. And so some of you are rejecting words that God uses because you're associating culture's definition with God's word. So when I say success, you think, oh no, that's see, that's why I don't go to church because that's all they talk about. Because you're assuming that God means the same thing when he uses the same words. But if you're reading scripture objectively, you see that's not the case. One example is Jesus having a conversation with his disciples in the Gospels, and he said, my peace, I leave with you. Is that what he said? And then he says this, not peace as the world gives. He said, when the world say peace, and when I say peace, we're not talking about the same thing. When I say peace, I'm talking about something that surpasses your understanding. I'm talking about and the emotional state of tranquility that is confusing not just to others, but it's confusing to you. It means that other people are looking at you and wondering why you're not spazzing out and you looking at yourself and wondering, why am I not spazzing out? Because there's something on the inside that's working on the house. I got peace. I got, oh my God, I got a feeling everything is going to be, I don't know. I just got a feeling God's going to work this thing out for me. I got a sneaky suspicion late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it up. So when the scriptures use the word success, and it does, it does. When Joshua 
who was Moses' successor. Now, you think it's hard to replace the supervisor you replace. Imagine you coming behind somebody that split Red Seas. Imagine having to replace him with people looking at you like, you ain't splitting no Red Sea. Imagine that anxiety. Imagine that insecurity. And God speaks to me and says, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. I want you not to let my law depart from your lips. Now, see, that's, that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation. Now. Watch this. He didn't say, don't let it depart from your head. He said, I want you to keep it on your lips. He said, I just want you speaking what I'm saying. Because they're going to be doing a lot of speaking, but I need you to speak what I'm saying. He said, all I want you doing is speaking the word. Right? He says, don't let it depart on your lips. And then he says, I want you to meditate on it. Don't just read it. Fill your mind with it. Meditate on it. Come here. Day and night. Was that regularly? He said, do it during the day. Cause I need, and I also need you to do it during the night. Because if you're honest, by the time you do it during the day and go through your day, I need it again at night. Where the, where the honest section. They say, Pastor, I have my time with God, but right around noon it done wore off. And I need, let me find somebody. These people don't got on my nerves, my kids, my si- <laughs> He says, I need you doing it regularly. And then this is what he says. He says, and then you shall make your way prosperous. He says, if you keep this in your mind and keep it in your mouth, it's going to guide and govern the decisions you make. And the result of that is you going to make your way prosperous. You going to do it. He says, you're going to do it. And then he says, and you will have good success. Here it is. But I, I, I can't get this without clarity. Because clarity lets you know what success is for you. For some people, rich is success. Rich, not success for me. You, you, you have to know what it is for you. Because if you don't know where you're headed, you won't know when you arrived. If you don't determine what success is for you, other people will determine it for you. Did you hear what I just said? Yep. If, if, if you aren't clear on what you're supposed to do, with the gifts that God has given you, and if you don't use them properly, other people will. Am I making sense? And so I believe, or I, I, let, let me not make any assumptions. Am I talking to anybody today who will say, I'm in a season of my life where I don't care what anybody say. I unashamedly am able to admit what I want in this season. Dr. Darius, I have had so much of what I don't want. I am crystal clear on what I do want. 
And so far, I want everything you said. I want speed. Because I'm tired of feeling behind schedule. I want God to do some stuff fast. I want him to do it quickly. Pastor Daniels, I want some sanity. I want to be sane in the membrane. I want to prosper with some peace. Because I'm tired of staying awake in the midnight hour. Tolling in my mind. And Pastor Daniels, I want some success. I want it in my mind. I want it in my marriage. I want it in my ministry. I want it in my money. I want it in my business. Am I talking to anybody? But I can't get that, y'all, without clarity. Somebody say clarity. clarity. Come on in. Somebody say clarity. clarity. See, guys, when I say clarity, I'm not just talking about clarity in life. I'm talking about clarity about your life. Clarity regarding what you're supposed to be doing with it. Dr. Darius, what is that? That's purpose. The reason for the creation of exist or the existence of a thing. Purpose. What the divine had in mind when he created you. Purpose spiritual in its origin. God determines it. God selects. We submit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Strategic in this timing. To, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. You don't know enough to say you behind schedule. God Almighty, did you hear what I just said? I said you don't know enough to say you behind schedule. When God get ready to swing a door open, He'll swing it open when he gets ready to prepare a table for you. He'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. When God gets ready to do a thing, he'll do a thing in a season of your life like he did with Caleb. Where everybody thought Caleb was too old. And Caleb said to Joshua, listen, I'm a little older now, but I'm stronger now. I'm stronger now than I was then. I want somebody to catch this revelation. I'm going to see who receive it. Just because your youngest days are behind you doesn't mean your best days are behind you. You ain't receive it. You didn't receive it. I said just because your youngest days are behind you doesn't mean your best days are behind you. God's getting ready to show you how he can take the rest of your life and make it the best of your life. Now that I have some of the things that I want, I'm glad God didn't give them to me in the season I wanted them. Let me... Y'all don't want to be honest here. I said, now that I have some of the things I pray for, I'm so grateful God didn't give them to me in the season I prayed for. Are y'all ready for this revelation? Some prayers work like seeds. The season you plant in the season you harvest. But just because you don't see harvest in the same season doesn't mean harvest ain't on the way. God Almighty. Did you hear what I just said? 
I said the season of request and the season of release is not the same season. You think your prayer went unheard. You need a revelation that your seed just went in the ground. Every time you pray, you sow seed. And one day, the reaper is going to overtake the sower. Purpose, spiritual in its origins, strategic in its timing, specific in its nature. You're not just called to make a difference, you're called to make your difference. Are y'all here? And when you make your difference, you receive your reward. You receive divine compensation. When, are y'all here? When you, yes, the, and divine compensation. The highest form of compensation is fulfillment. I don't care what you have. Until you have that, you're going to feel poor. Yeah. Yeah. You think a marriage is going to do it. It won't. You think the promotion is going to do it. It won't. You think notoriety will do it. It won't. So because this, because clarity is so consequential, we need to understand, and I got to do a teaching on this. I got to just dig in and teach this. Deshantel, I need, I need to dig in and teach this. I'm getting ready to start something called prayer for us. I want you to lead it. All right. Um, I want you to, here, here. I, I got to do a teaching on this, guys. It's, it's spiritual, spiritual warfare. Who got my phone? Who got my phone? Somebody get my phone. No, you got to have a phone on you, doc. <laughs> my, I need mine. I got a screenshot of something I want to read. Um, see, here's the thing. Y'all want to know the first, when we think of spiritual warfare, we think of spiritual extremism and mysticism. We think exorcisms, levitation, etc. But I've taught you before something called the law of first mention. Meaning that if you want to really understand something, you need to look at the first time that it is mentioned in Scripture. Right? And so the first time we see the activity of the enemy in Scripture is in the garden. So that's an act of spiritual warfare just through the conversation Satan is having with Eve who gets confused. Bible says she was deceived. Come on now. So what's he, So one of his weapons of spiritual warfare is confusion. We see it in the garden. He wants, and are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And, and sometimes we see this confusion in little things. So some of y'all probably got an announcement. We had a little issue with our Atlanta location and water flooding. Okay, so this is something my assistant sent me. I saw this this morning. This is crazy. This is from uh, the president. We have a tenant in the building. And so this is from... The, the president of the organization that, this is powerful, uh, of the organization whose space flooded. This is what he said. This is powerful. He said, hello, Dr. Darius. I lead the ministry that is renting space in your building in ATL. As I'm sure you know, we were completely flooded. I know your part of the building also had some damage. We're in the midst of a hugely busy season of ministry. Our focus is discipleship. 
and you are about to launch a new campus, it would figure that some spiritual opposition might come our way. This is what he says. But as a friend of mine says in these situations, hey, welcome to the NFL. Take the hit and play through the pain. Watch what he says. He says, when the flooding happened, now remember, it flooded their side. He said, when the flooded happened, my immediate thought was, this isn't about us. It's about the new church. All his stuff is messed up. And he says, this isn't about us. This is about the new church. So I want you to know that we're praying for all of you several times a week that God would do something incredible in your congregation in the coming weeks. Somebody open your mouth and say the devil is a liar. Spiritual warfare. He wants us confused. He do everything he can to keep us confused. He will use the voices of people you trust to confuse you. Have you second guessing, third guessing, fourth guessing yourself? He doesn't want us clear. He's literally at war fighting for your clarity. Am I making sense here? Now, you, you be seen, I'm almost done. Here, here it is. Here it is. When the enemy can't keep you from a thing, he tries to confuse you about the thing. When he can't keep you from it, he tries to confuse you about it. Now, watch this. There are two groups of people that are confused when it comes to purpose. There are those that are confused about what purpose actually is. And then there are those that are confused about what theirs is. Then there are two types of confusion. There are two, uh, t- there, 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 there are two, type, two groups of people who are confused and two types of confusion. Um, the first type of confusion is confusion that comes from a lack of information. The second type of confusion is confusion that comes because of wrong information. One group is confused and they know they don't know. The other group is confused and they think they know and they don't. That's the worst kind of confusion. Because you got to help people who don't know, who think they know, see they don't know. So they will be open to know what they don't know that they think they know. Oh, I deal with this all the time. All the time. Oh, all the time. Oh, I see this all the time. I really see it in my business programs all the time. I know my purpose. I know, I know, I know. I know who I'm called to. I know what I'm called to do. I say, uh, and I ask one question. Who do you help and what result do you help them get? Because purpose is an answer to a problem, right? What problem you help people solve? What answer walk in the room when you walk in? And if you can't answer that, your vision not clear enough to run with. 
See, clear enough to talk about ain't the same as clear enough to do something with it. Did you hear what I just said? See, see, write the vision, make it plain so that they that read it can run with it. Some people so vague, it's like, you can't run with that. What are you going to do with that tomorrow? What walk in the room when you walk in? The devil don't want you to know. He wants you to think that if you know the answer to that, you're arrogant. That's bad theology. It's an inaccurate understanding of what it means to be arrogant because if you apply that definition of arrogance to everybody, you would have to say Jesus was arrogant because he know what walked in the room when he walked in. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. He knew exactly. Jesus would look people in the face and say, destroy this temple. And watch what happened in three days. I'll raise it back up again. Jesus would say, Lazarus is sleeping. But I'm getting ready to raise <laughs> Y'all not helping me. Yeah, the parents, the, the, the father of the child that needed a miracle said, Jesus, if you can, help him. Jesus said, if I can, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. See, y'all, y'all don't, don't want to tell you. This, this grown folks teaching right here. The Bible says, cast not away your confidence. Am I in the book? The devil wants you to throw your confidence away. But I believe somebody in this room getting ready to get it back. Somebody open your mouth and say, I want it back. The breakup took it, but you're getting ready to get it back. The failed business took it, but you're getting ready to get it back. The pandemic took it, but you're getting ready to give it back. Because God is a God of recompense. God is a God of restoration. The devil doesn't want us clear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I love this text that we read as our foundational passage because it's a powerful picture of what I'm talking about. We, we get to, in Jeremiah 1, eavesdrop on a clarity conversation. This is so clear. We get to eavesdrop on a conversation, a phone call God is having with a young man named Jeremiah. It's a critical conversation, a consequential conversation. It's a conversation around clarity. We see God introducing Jeremiah to his assignment. Notice what God says to him first. I love this. He says, before, hey, he says, before I form you in the womb. Wait a minute. I thought parents made children. God says, they made you. That's the only thing they had control of. They didn't have control over what color your eyes were. They didn't have control over what time you came into this earth. They didn't have control over what your personality and your temperament and your strengths and your weaknesses were. They didn't have control over what your abilities would be. They didn't have control over what your preferences would be. He says, I'm, they made you, but I formed you. I love this. 
before he talks to Jeremiah about formation, I mean contribution, he talks to him about formation. Because that's the first place I need clarity. Because a lot of people ask, what am I supposed to do? As opposed to, who am I supposed to be? He says, I want you clear, Jeremiah, on how you've been formed. Because your form is going to lead you to your function. I don't know how real I can be here now. I'm kind of easing my way. I'm trying to see how much y'all can handle. Your form determines your function. And as a pastor and as an apostolic entrepreneur that leads kingdom enterprises, I find myself frequently having to redirect people who are trying to function in something they ain't formed for. Y'all see, I don't know if y'all read it. They're, they're, trying, they're trying to function in place. It's like you're not formed for that. You're a square peg trying to fit in a circle. You got, you ignoring your oil. Chasing what's popular. Ignoring your oil. It's like how the thing you the best at is the thing you're spending the least time in. Am I making sense? If I can find my form, my form tells me something about my function. I accepted a long time ago. I've been formed to teach. I'm getting ready to prove this to you. That my personality as an ambivert is necessary for my purpose. I used to think I used to I gotta stop saying I'm an introvert because I'm I'm an ambivert because I can't be by myself all the time. I got to kick it with somebody. Come over, sit with me, talk with me, or something. Sometimes first ladies just come and watch me play video games. Just watch me. Just sit right here. Just watch me. I ain't got nothing to say. I ain't got nothing to say. Just watch me. I need to get away to recharge. Then I'm ready to re-engage. So part of my leadership call is thought leadership, which is I help lead people in their thinking. Which means part of the way I'm supposed to influence people is that you think differently after my ministry than before. That's thought leadership, right? Like challenge the way you see certain things, okay? Now, you can't be a thought leader without being a learner. And you cannot be obsessed with learning without having a personality that's okay being by yourself with books for hours. Do y'all see what I'm trying to show you? So my personality is necessary for my purpose. If I didn't have the introvert aspect of me, I wouldn't be as valuable to you when I come out of my introvertism. Did you hear what I just said? And some of you are apologizing 
for personalities that are necessary for your purpose. Y'all not, they're not talking to me personally. Before I form you. I form you. Some of you are stubborn. And you're trying to release yourself from stubbornness. When God just want to redeem it. God said, I don't want you to stop being stubborn. I just want you to stop being stubborn about the wrong stuff. Because what I got for you requires stubbornness. What I called you to do requires resilience. It requires a relentlessness. It requires the attitude of Jacob who wrestled with God all night long and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. It requires an attitude that says what my business coach says. It has to work or it has to work. I want to know, am I talking to anybody that's stubborn and ain't shame about it? Say, I must stop letting people demonize my stubbornness because the only reason I survived, everything I survived is because I refuse to die. I feel that. Hey, somebody open your mouth and say, I refuse to die. That's how I survived the divorce. That's how I survived the sickness. That's how I survived the pandemic. I refuse. I'm done. Y'all, y'all tired. I ain't even... He said, I form you. And I want you to be clear on how you formed. We skipping steps trying to get to function. Instead of knowing how you formed. I know how I'm formed. That's how I know how to build a team. Because I know how I'm formed. And some of you are letting people, I'm not talking about stuff that's vices or self-sabotaging behavior or sin or unhealthiness, but some of you are letting people talk you out of being who you were formed to be. I'm trying to see how deep can I go now? Because some people, I don't know if y'all ready. Because some people that are saying something wrong with you, it's just people that's wrong for you. Darius, you two, no, I'm two nothing. We just don't fit. Yeah, I'm a winner. I don't like to lose. I, no, if you like to lose, ain't nothing wrong with me wanting to win. We just don't work. But if you don't know how you formed, you won't be able to resist the pull that other people exert on you trying to get you to be conformed into their image and likeness. God Almighty, I'm supposed to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. I'm supposed to be conformed to what he wants, not what you want. If you don't want me, then don't talk to me. Go ahead and free yourself.
You got to know how you've been formed because if not, you'll attempt to become what you feel like is working. So you'll look at everybody else who's seemingly successful and you'll make assumptions you have to become like that to win. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? It's like me. I can't build a church on a candy diet. That ain't my calling. I can't do it. You got to get some meat. You got to get some vegetables. Some stuff that's not good going down, but it's good for you. And you got to believe God will work your way if you work it. I see y'all didn't hear what I just said. Your way will work if you just bold enough to work it. See, you looking at somebody else, not realizing God's assigned somebody else to be looking at you. And if you are willing to step into your own uniqueness, you will inspire somebody else to step into theirs. So sister, start it. Brother, do it. Launch it. You looking at somebody else and there are people God's assigned to be looking at you. You got to embrace your form. And I'm done. I got whole chapters on this in the book because there are four phases to your form. The first one is what I call unique design. You've been designed uniquely. You've been customized. Your personality is not a mistake. You've been designed. Did you hear what I just said? It's not a mistake. Some of you said, I think, I'm, are there areas we all need to grow? Yes. But you need to grow into better versions of yourself. Right? Not into other versions of other people. When you understand unique design, you're able to admire and not desire. You're able to say, I like that, but that's not me. That's working great for them, but that's, that's not me. Unique design. And when you know that, you, oh God, you, you, you stand in it like David. David stood in that thing, didn't he? David stood in that thing. That, that, that man say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He stood in there. Say, people think I'm weird because I, I can defeat a lion with, without a weapon. And I can write Psalms. And people don't understand all that I am because they're used to people who can only do one. (laughs) 
They're used to people who one or the other. They're used to people who this or that, not this and that. Said, but I don't let them, they said, I don't let them talk me out of who I am. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He stood in his unique design. Because he realized he was customized for his calling. God, you made me this way. You gave me this personality. And there's a backside to every blessing. Sisters, I know sometimes I want a man that got his stuff together. <laughs> then you get one who got his self stuff together. You're like, why everything always got to be so. <laughs> it's always got to be so. Just relax. Calm down. That's why my stuff together. <laughs> so I'm not saying we don't need to make adjustments and not temper our personalities. But I'm saying don't abandon the way you've been formed. Because purpose is necessary for it. I want to speak to entrepreneurs. I want to speak to leaders. I want to speak to those in this room who are influencing others. God gave you a unique design. And so the people you build with have to fit within the construct of how God wired you because he gave you the vision. You are, as Henry Cloud says, ridiculously responsible for stewarding the vision God has given you. And you have to be held accountable to God for how you stewarded the family. Guys, I'm getting ready to do something. Um, and I want to challenge some men. Once I, once I figure it out, I'll do a little made man Zoom and I'll, I'll tell you. But I'm getting ready to do something. I hadn't even told my wife this. I'm getting ready to do something. My coach, I mean this, I'm getting ready to do something. I'm getting ready to call a family meeting. And... Um, we used to call them all the time. I'm getting ready to call one. And uh, I'm calling one with my family and with this kid we've been helping through high school. He might as well be my family. Uh, I'm going to call a family meeting because I realized something. I got core values. They're listed. They're very clear. F6. Our church, our organizations have core values. Kingdom culture, H7. The core values of my church are the core values of my company. There will be not be dishonor in my church. We will not be dishonor. There, there will be no dishonor in my businesses. But it hit me as I was talking to my coach. I need to make sure my family are clear on our core values. Watch this. I set them. I set them. In collaboration with my wife, what do we feel like are the three or four things that God requires of us as a family? 
to say when you carry this last name, this is what we value. This is what we value in this house. This is what we value outside this house. I never thought about that until I was with my coach the other day. I never thought about it. He called his son on the Zoom. He said, son, show him your arm. Son's 35 years old. My coach is 62. Uh, on his arm was a crest tattooed. They had a family crest made. Four sections. Each section had a symbol representing the values. When you carry this last name, this is what we stand for. It's understanding generational blessing. Family assignments. Saying this the way God has designed this family. Am I making sense? Unique design. I'm done. Y'all all right? I'm just write these down. Unique dreams. You have desires in your heart that have been deposited there by the divine. Part of what makes you, you, and me, me, is we don't want the same thing. We don't want the same thing. Because God's given you not all, but some of your wants. That's what makes you unique. Stand on that. Does that make sense? You not only have unique dreams, we got unique discontent. These are God-given, unique, incessant irritations about a specific set of issues. Because the problems you were created to solve are the problems that will agitate you the most. Me and you can walk in a room. We can, I explain all this in the book, but me and you can walk in a room. You can see something, and I can see something. It bothered a mess out of you. It don't bother me at all. Stop apologizing for what bothers you. Because what irritates you is your assignment. I think sometimes we feel pressure to act like we're not bothered as opposed to exercising temperance. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me not to respond out of my irritation, but I need to own. One author says that my emotions are the cry. It's the language of the soul. It's the way my soul talks. And so when I try to suppress the emotions, I'm silencing the voice of my soul. My soul is trying to tell me something. So stop acting like if some of you injustice bother you. Stop apologizing for having a righteous anger. Bible says be angry, but sin not. Don't let the anger produce a sinful response. But the Bible says be angry, feel it. Jesus turned over tables, didn't he? Yeah, was he smiling when he did? Come by here, my Lord. Come by. Let me set this down nicely. He had, to, he had to whip. Get out of here, guys. That was a righteous anger. Because the problems you're irritated by are those you've been created to solve. And we all have unique destinies. This isn't about what will happen in your life. This is about what will happen through it. 
I know we don't talk like this. I don't do a lot of this anymore, but I used to do a lot of one-on-ones with people. I would begin sometimes by having them do an obituary exercise. Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind. When you're in that casket, what you want them to say about you? See, that's destiny. Because, see, that's what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what stays here when you're gone. That's legacy talk. What you want them to say about you at the funeral? Now, the way you live in your life, will they, will they be able to say it? <laughs> Embrace that. Stand in that. God's trying to tell you something through your unique design, through your unique dreams, through your unique discontent, through your unique destiny. He's trying to show you, give you clarity on how you've been formed. Jeremiah embraced his. I didn't even have time to just unpack all the stuff in my notes. Y'all know one of the names they call Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. He got a whole book called Lamentations where he just laments because he didn't. Now watch this. Culture would say, you too emotional. Stop all that weeping. You're supposed to be a prophet. But God knew I need a man for this assignment who heart sensitive. I need somebody to steward this assignment who's going to bring his heart to work. Jeremiah embraced his. Jesus embraced his. And God wants you to embrace yours. Father, I pray right now for people in this room who are in spiritual warfare with confusion people who are struggling to embrace, to accept their uniqueness. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release the grace, the unmerited favor that manifests in unmerited assistance, that you would release the grace to embrace. May in this moment you move on people's hearts in ways that they hear what you're trying to tell them about them. And may our testimony be the testimony of David. I am not just enough, I'm more than enough. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows right well with me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody. <laughs> Woo!